What do you get when you combine the most exciting young team in the league, a passion for the Big Easy and a rural West Aussie? That's right, the Pelicans Scoop, Hoopball's very own Pelicans podcast. See, I am very excited to see how they proceed. You know, you've got a point guard, you've got a small forward, you've got a power forward who looks like to be an absolute beast. You keep those guys together, then you've got Josh Hart off the bench who is heart and soul of the team. I've said that a couple of times on here. It's my favourite part. Join me, Lyle Swithenbank, as we cruise down the Mississippi chatting all things Pel. We run through the full alphabet from B through to ZW. B.I. wants to be the man and should be the man. Give him the ball. He looks like a stud. So what are you waiting for? Join us at Hoopball Pills on Twitter and subscribe to the show everywhere podcasts are found. Come on, let's go spin some yarns. Gather around, Hoopball Chicago Bulls listeners. We've got a little story to tell. Ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for betting tips. I always get asked, who do you have, Lakers or Clippers? Rodgers or Mahomes, and I'll tell you what I tell them. Ask me about different teams. I don't follow any of those teams. But what I also tell them is that where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I tell people to bet with my bookie. My bookie's rep is rock solid, and they've got the best odds, contests, and promotions in the business. They're the only place I trust to handle my NBA-related bets. The one sports book guaranteed to give me the best lines for every single game possible. A lot of NBA action coming up. We've got Major League Baseball spring training just around the corner. Although, honestly, I would not bet on a Major League spring training game. You know me, and you know that I don't give my stamp of approval easily. To earn it, you've got to be the best at what you do. And my bookie is the best sports book out there, period. It's simple. Sign up. Enter promo code HOOPBALL and get your deposit matched halfway up to a 1000 bucks. Head over to MyBookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best. Bet with MyBookie. All right, Bulls fans. Let's get it started! The following is a HoopBall presentation. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hoopball Chicago Bulls podcast. We are back after a little break. We are recapping the Bulls split in Orlando against the Magic. 123-119 the loss on Friday, and then 118-92 the win on Saturday. Then last night, the Bulls just played absolutely awful against the Washington Wizards. They were lucky to be in the game. They lost 105-101. to and your Chicago Bulls are now 9-14 and on the season through 23 games. A little bit later on, we are going to have Lyle Swithenbank from Down Under. He is the host of the Hoop Ball New Orleans Pelicans podcast as we will get ready for the Pelicans and the Bulls tonight, 6 o'clock at the United Center. And then Friday, February 12th, the Bulls will host the Clippers. Hopefully, we will have Brandon Marcus back on the show on Thursday morning if he is available to talk Clippers and Bulls. So let's go back through the last couple of ball games. Bulls lose by four in Orlando on Friday, 123-119. And the star of the show was Nikola Vucevic. He had 43 points on 7 of 29 shooting, 19 rebounds. You have a double-double where you score 43-19. and 19. That was almost a 40-20. and 20. 
it is very rare that you see any 40 and 20s happen. Evan Fournier had 20 points on 6 of 13 shooting, and front runner for rookie of the year, Cole Anthony, had 17 points on 6 of 10 shooting, 3 of 5 from the free throw line, and 2 of 3 from beyond the arc. He was a plus 16. I think Cole Anthony has a legit chance to be the rookie of the year. And the Orlando Magic, they're not a good team, but they're a team that can play well from game to game. In this matchup, they were without Otto Porter Jr., who was out again due to back spasms, and Lowry Markkinen got hurt in the game. And Lowry has not played in each of the prior two games. We'll get to that in a little bit. When you have to play Thad Young 32 minutes and Garrett Temple 30 minutes, Kobe White played 34, Zach Levine played 36, you're stressing the back end of your bench. Chandler Hutchison had to play four minutes. And when you have to play Chandler Hutchison, at least at this point, he has fallen out of Billy Donovan's rotation. Denzel Valentine is playing really good basketball. He is earning 20 minutes a night, and he is playing 20 minutes a night. He had 14 points in that first game against the Magic, 6 of 12 from the field. The Bulls had three of their starters that were below a minus 15. Kobe White at minus 15, Lowry Markkinen at minus 16, and Daniel Gafford at minus 18. And that's really difficult because he only played 11 minutes. Like, if you're at a minus 18 in just 11 minutes, that means you played really bad. On the plus side, even though he was a minus 8, Patrick Williams had one of his best offensive games in a while. 20 points on 7 of 11 shooting, 6 of 6 from the line, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, and 1 block. So Patrick Williams is playing better basketball on the offensive end, and that is really nice to see. However, for the Bulls, this was just a game where they got dominated by two guys down the stretch, Fournier and Vucevic. Bulls were within striking distance in the final minutes of the fourth quarter, but the Magic won the foul game. Bulls got it to two, then Cole Anthony gets fouled, he makes two free throws, then Bulls get another bucket, Nikola Vucevic gets fouled, he makes two free throws, Bulls go down by four with 2.5 seconds left, a near impossibility in regards to tying or potentially taking the lead in the game. So that's what happened. The Bulls got down early, they trailed at half, and they did not get back in the game until very late in the fourth quarter. Bulls were awful again from beyond the arc. They were 9 of 30, while the Magic were 11 of 27. Splitting hairs in terms of percentages, even though it didn't seem like that big of a disparity, that's 30% from the Bulls compared to 40% for the Magic. In terms of rebounds, that's where the Bulls got killed. Without somebody like a Lowry Markkinen or an Otto Porter Jr. playing over 20 minutes, and Lowry got hurt in this game, which is why he only played 17 minutes, the Bulls were a minus 12 in the rebounding margin. And this is critical because the Bulls were actually plus 8 in the turnover margin. They were a plus 10 on points off turnovers, but when the Bulls get killed on the boards like they did, then you are going to have a tough time really dominating in the paint. And right now... The Bulls can't dominate in the paint. They don't have Wendell Carter Jr., and right now it doesn't look like they're going to have Larry Markkinen or Otto Porter Jr. back again for quite some time. So let's move on to Saturday where the Bulls just whipped up on the Magic. Now, in a back-to-back scenario in the same city, usually teams end up splitting. And that's what happened with the Bulls because they were able to get the split 
and really blowing out the Magic 118-92 down in Orlando. The Bulls took a big lead in the second quarter, outscoring Orlando 30-12. Zach Levine had 39 points. He was a plus 26, 16 of 25 from the field, 5 of 6 from beyond the arc. Seven rebounds, four assists, a complete game for him. He almost got to 40 again. Because of the injury to Lowry Markkinen, Denzel Valentine inserted into the starting lineup. He was a plus 24. He scored 20 points on 8 of 17 shooting in a game-high 37 minutes, 4 of 10 from beyond the arc. He played some really solid basketball. Kobe White, 13 points on 5 of 12 in 27 minutes of work three assists, and seven rebounds. Because the Bulls were up so big, they were able to go deep into their bench. Cristiano Felicio, hey, how are you? He was back in the game. He was a plus four, one of one from the field in nine minutes. I am surprised that Cristiano Felicio had a game where he played nine minutes at all this season. But because the Bulls got up so big early, they could really rest some of the other starters Zach Levine and Patrick Williams both played 33 minutes. Denzel Valentine played 37. Looking at some of the advanced statistics in this ballgame, the Bulls' largest lead was 33. Chicago was phenomenal from three-point range, and that's why they won this game. They were 15 of 30 from beyond the arc. Orlando, meanwhile, was 6 of 27. Bulls shot 52% from the field. Magic shot just 39. One of the reasons why the Bulls play as well as they do on certain nights is that they are hitting from the outside and they are overall efficient from the field. And that's what the Bulls were. When you have a night where you're shooting 50% from three-point range and your opponent is shooting 22%, you're going to win most of those games, especially when you have three more attempts than your opponent does. If you are attempting more shots from the perimeter than your opponent, and you are doubling up and then some their shooting percentage on that night, that's a recipe for success. So then the Bulls were trying to get their third win of the year over the Wizards, and Zach Levine missed a point-blank layup with time expiring to tie the ball game. Wizards got fouled, made two foul shots, and they got the win 105-101. to I saw a lot of chatter on Bulls Twitter. Did Levine get fouled? No. I think the refs actually made a really solid call. It was a good no call. He didn't get touched. And this was a game where if the Bulls were going to win, Zach Levine was going to have to carry the team. He had 35 points in 38 minutes, 12 of 26 from the field, and was a minus 7. That just goes to show you that he really wasn't getting much help from anybody other than Thad Young, who had 14 points on 7 of 11 shooting in 28 minutes. Thad Young should not have to be playing 28 minutes a night, but here we are because injuries have once again riddled the Chicago Bulls. And Cristiano Felicio, he had to play last night. He had to play nine minutes, and he was absolutely awful. He was a minus four. He didn't attempt a shot. He's just terrible defensively. He's slow. He can't rotate on the help side. There's just nothing good about him. Garrett Temple probably had one of his worst games offensively, although he did have nine rebounds. Patrick Williams, a plus six, ten points on two of seven shooting. Patrick Williams right now, given the state of this lineup, he cannot be shooting only seven times a game. Patrick Williams needs to be more assertive on the offensive end and give Washington credit. 
They held the Bulls in check in the first half, limiting them to 48 points. Now, the Bulls shot it better in the second half. They were 9 of 30 from beyond the arc. They were 43% from the field. Wizards were at 42% from the field. But the biggest difference in this game is that Bradley Beal sealed the game from the free throw line. He was 14 of 15 from the line. That is the type of performance that makes a difference in a four-point game. And the Wizards, they dominated the Bulls in the paint. They were a plus 14 on points in the paint. That makes a big difference. It's good to learn from games like these. It's good to learn how to close down the stretch. But again, each of the last two Bulls losses have been by four points or less. The Bulls are losing a lot of close games, and they are now 9-14 and 14 on the season. But the Bulls are facing a bigger problem, as we don't know when Otto Porter Jr. is going to get back, and we now know that Lowry Markkinen is going to be out two to four weeks with a shoulder injury. Just as he's starting to come into his own, just after he had those really solid games last week, Hurts his shoulder in the first Orlando game on Friday and hasn't played each of the last two games and now, for certain, will be out a minimum of two weeks. And because of COVID protocol, it's not like the Bulls can sign anybody. They've got guys in reserve. They have to use those guys. Unfortunately, you're at a point where you have to play Cristiano Felicio. You have to play Luke Cornett. And you're going to have to play Denzel Valentine over 25 minutes a night. Denzel Valentine, at least until Otto Porter Jr. gets back, that guy's in the starting lineup every game. You're playing a three-guard lineup until you get Lowry or Otto or Wendell back. And we still don't know the timeline for Wendell Carter Jr. at this point. And as we go into our conversation with Lyle Swithenbank of the Hoop Ball New Orleans Pelicans podcast, I'm worried about this matchup because the Pelicans are starting to play some really good basketball. They beat the Rockets down last night, 130-101. This is a team that, quite frankly, is really starting to find its sea legs, and it's encouraging to see because there was a lot of expectations on this team headed into the year. A lot of people thought, well, are they going to make a move? Are they going to sell off Lonzo? Are they going to sell off J.J. Redick? They're going to keep this core together, and so far... At least in the last couple of games, they've won four in a row. They're playing better basketball, and they've beaten some good teams. They beat the Suns by 22, they edged out the Pacers by one, beat the Grizzlies by nine, and just put a beat down on their division rival, the Houston Rockets. And despite the fact that they're one game under 500, they're only two games back in the Southwest Division, two games behind the San Antonio Spurs. We will take a quick break. Hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll be back with Lyle Swithenbank of the Hoop Ball New Orleans Pelicans podcast here on the Hoop Ball Network. Valentine's Day is upon us, fellas. Make sure you're ready for wherever the night may take you. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, are here to tell you that you need to use the best tools for the job so you can be ready for anything on that special day. Two million men are already using Manscaped products to groom. Make sure you're one of them. Your girl can't think of what to get you this year? Tell her to get the gift that's for you and for her. The best way to get started is with the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Full of the best products to keep you looking, smelling, and feeling 
Nice. The Perfect Package 3.0 is led by their revolutionary third generation lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which has advanced skin safe technology and features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. It's also waterproof, which prevents a mess on the bathroom floor and in the sink, especially when it's time for Cupid to shoot his arrow. And let's be real, We've smelled the worst down there before. That's why I am thankful for their crop preserver and crop reviver. These products keep our boys from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And these products, hey, they smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood if you know what I mean. The Perfect Package 3.0 will also come with a pair of manscaped boxers that keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxers. Easily the comfiest boxers I've ever had. And complete your grooming game with the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. With the same signature scent that's in all Manscaped formulas, this cologne is a perfect complement to this collection. This is the perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Welcome on back into the HoopBall Chicago Bulls podcast here on the HoopBall Network. We are joined by our guest from Down Under. Yes, he is joining us from Australia. We love the power of technology, ladies and gentlemen. He is the host of the HoopBall New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Please welcome to the program, Lyle Swithenbank. Lyle, it is as we're recording this on Tuesday night. For those of you that are listening, Lyle is actually recording this in the future right now. That is not only the power of technology, but the power of the international dateline. Exactly right. Yeah, no, um, Wednesday started off pretty well. So uh, looking forward to uh, you guys reaching it and, uh, and finding out uh, everything that it'll have in store. But uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me on. It's been great. Absolutely. So the Pelicans are going to be playing the Bulls on a back-to-back. They just notched their fourth straight win, and they absolutely clobbered the Houston Rockets tonight. 130-101, to 101, a huge game from the starting front court of Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. They combined for 42 points. Zion was a plus 29, seven assists and five rebounds for him in just 21 minutes of work. Lyle, I know that you got a little bit going on with your normal job, but he had a chance to watch the Pelicans game early on Wednesday morning in Australia. What stood out in particular about this game? I know you and I were messaging a couple of days ago about how the Pelicans are starting to find themselves. Was this the game that really said that at their best, this is well, this is how good this team can be? Yeah, well, I mean, today, honestly, I don't even think we were at our best, which, I mean, is a testament to a 29-point win uh, at the end. Um, I mean, Zion Williamson had foul trouble early. He, he only played, I think, 20 minutes. Uh, still finished with 20-odd points. And, um, you know, Brandon Ingram, another guy, fell into foul trouble. And all of a sudden, um, we're sitting there going, well, the other guys need to step up. And that seems to have been the biggest issue plaguing the Pelicans throughout the uh, the start of the season, especially when they were a bit up and down, uh, was that it was Brandon Ingram has to do everything and Zion has to do everything as well. And everyone else is just 
you know, we're lucky to get anything out of the bench and um, and out of the supporting cast. Today, it was really, it was a win by committee. Josh Hart, huge 20-point, 17-rebound effort. Um, monster game from him. Uh, Kyra Lewis Jr., we saw a, a good run from him. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, we haven't seen much of those two guys play together, but what we saw was good. Um, Stephen Adams didn't even play in the last quarter, which is a testament to, um, you know, Willie Hernan Gomez, who's come into the rotation. It's been fantastic since he's joined. And, um, yeah, it really was just a fantastic game uh, by committee, I suppose, and, and seeing all the other guys step up and, and um, really perform. You talk about Josh Hart, and I know you and I were messaging about him a little earlier. You didn't know what to expect after really a subpar performance in the last couple of games. Not only did he record a double-double with 17 rebounds, but he played 40 minutes. Like somebody like Josh Hart playing 40 minutes shows me that Stan Van Gundy is not afraid to ride the hot hand. What are your impressions of Van Gundy as a coach in this modern NBA? Because it's been a while, really, since he's been a head coach and been a head coach for a good team. I mean, I know that he was the head man in Detroit. He didn't have the best roster of guys. His best teams were back in the Orlando and Miami days. So are you impressed with what Stan has brought to the table thus far from a, from a system standpoint? And how much different is it than what they previously had with Alvin Gentry? Um, so, I mean, basically, the having Stan come in, he's a defensive-minded coach. He's always been like that, I think. And, and having guys like um, Dwight Howard, Andre Drummond previously, I think it served him well with having a, a beast like Zion Williamson. While he's a bit shorter, the athleticism's still there. Um, you know, the offensive repertoire is probably a bit better than those two guys, um, particularly this early on in his career. But Stan's come in and, and basically thrown out the old um, offensive schemes, I guess. Alvin Gentry, a lot of run and gun, up and down the court, not so much defense orientated. Bringing in guys like Stephen Adams, um, you know, Josh Hart taking another step, good defender. Lonzo's been a fantastic defender in the last probably five or so games. And, and that lockdown Lonzo mentality has been really helpful. Um, the defensive uh, identity has really changed. And I think we really struggled, particularly last year, in rebounding the basketball. This year, I think we're fourth. I saw a stat before the game um, in, in rebounding, which is chalk and cheese on last year. Um, Stan's come in. Yeah, he's been out of the game maybe two or three years, I think, and, and was doing the uh, uh, an, uh, the analysis on, on um, one of the broadcast, national broadcast channels. And um, honestly, I think sometimes you learn by watching. And he said that about some of the young guys as well. Um, He's come in and he's basically said, well, we're not going to play like Golden State or the Rockets or these guys that shoot high volumes of threes. We're not built like that. We're going to play a bit different. And um, he's done that. I mean, particularly, I mean, it's been an up and down season, but perhaps that's getting the rotation right. Again, we added different guys this year. Eric Bledsoe, Drew Holiday, who was basically the leader of the team, is gone. Um, Eric Bledsoe. Stephen Adams came in. Uh, the bench was rebuilt a bit as well with, with Willie coming in, uh, Wenyan Gabriel. And so it was one of those things that um, you've got to get your pieces to fit. You've got to see what you've got. And um, Stan, he's taking any stride. You know, he's got good uh, assistants around him and he, uh, he's doing well. I think he's all right. And he's a good teacher, which I think these young guys are really uh, gravitating to. 
We are here with Lyle Swithenbank of the Hoop Ball New Orleans Pelicans podcast here on the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast, previewing tonight's matchup between the Bulls and the Pelicans. A lot of people want to talk about Zion Williamson and the jump that he's making in year two. But before I get to that, Brandon Ingram was a guy that I think everybody was waiting for him to make this jump. And I don't know about you, Lyle, but when I watch Brandon Ingram play, this is finally the guy that everybody thought was going to be the star that the Lakers drafted. Do you agree? And what's been the biggest difference from his prior years in New Orleans to this year? He's good, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, no, he's um, he's been awesome. I mean, after his, his most improved player uh, award last year, uh, he took that step first time All Star. He's, he's this year he's gone up another level. Um, I think having Zion healthy as well has eased the burden on him, um, which means he can play his own game. He's realised that his arms are like longer than nearly twice the size of everyone else's. So if he jumps and raises his arms above his head, no one's getting anywhere near that ball. And and by identifying that no one is going to affect his jump shot um, if he gets into his, his spots, I mean, that confidence has just been unbelievable. His three-point uh, shooting has gone up through the roof as well. Work with Fred Vinson, uh, who's been our, I suppose, shooting guru, helping with all the free throws with all the guys, as well as that three-point shooting. That confidence. And... He's been, especially after some of the losses, uh, they've asked him, oh, what he needs to do more. And he goes, I need to realize that I'm, I'm going to kill everyone that I go at. No one can defend me. I can only beat myself. And it's true. There's not many players in the league that can defend this guy, particularly one-on-one. He's, uh, he's long. He's smart. He has a lovely jump shot. And um, particularly his mid-range, one of those forgotten arts. He's, um, he's, a, he's a master of it. And, you know, he's 20, 23, I think, and um, we're only just getting in. We just signed him for five years, uh, Max Steele. So looking forward to seeing a bit of BI going forward. I was very curious when I saw all of the trade rumors surrounding Lonzo Ball because I thought that Lonzo was really starting to come into his own in New Orleans. He's become a better distributor of the basketball. He's become a much more efficient scorer of the basketball. Why do you think those rumors were out there? And do you think Lonzo is somebody that if they do hang on to him for this year, that they will end up eventually extending him? That's a tough question. And it is, it's probably the most uh, divisive um, uh, topic in Pell's Twitter and in the Pell's uh, universe at the moment. Um, I mean, Lonzo, the first few games, he, Jump shot wasn't uh, falling. He was, he was pretty bad in the bubble. I mean, he had a bad showing um, after having a pretty good season before the, the shutdown. He had three games off. The rumors started circling. This would have been a little, or maybe two, two or three weeks ago now. And um, he had some issue with his knee. I don't know whether or not that was an actual issue with his knee or it was a, uh, you need to sit down and work out what you're doing um, while they reach out and see if they can trade him. He... He's up for restricted free agency this year. Uh, they didn't extend him before the uh, the deadline. So he's basically had to uh, bet on himself. And, and, you know, sometimes that pays off, sometimes it doesn't. Since the Minnesota game, I think he has been on an absolute tear. His shooting has gone up. Um, he's playing lockdown defense. And I think that has been the big, um, the big change is that he's now the guy... Whereas before we would defer to Drew Holiday, he's the guy that you throw on their best player. 
the last shot of the uh, Pacers game. He went up against Miles Turner straight up. Perfect defense, great rotation. And Miles Turner, who's an absolute beast, missed this shot and we win by one. You know, Lonzo, that's been his biggest improvement. If he keeps this going, we'd be silly not to keep hold of him. But otherwise, he's perfect as a trade chip um, while he's got this, uh, this ability to... Um, defend his jump shot, his three-point shooting's improved. And, um, you know, he's so good in transition. He knows how to make the correct pass. He's not silly with the with the passes for the most part. Um, and he doesn't rush. And I think that's something that it, a lot of teams could uh, could do with as a lead guard. Um, I think Eric Bledsoe, is, his three-point shooting has gone up. So he's been able to play off the ball a bit more, um, which I think has served Lonzo well. And uh, playing that two-point guard starting lineup has been um, been pretty good uh, in the last four, four, five games, I think. So it's tough. It's, it's one of those things. Do you throw the bag at him? Because I know we want the max. Um, or can you somehow find a happy medium where you hold on to him? And I mean, he's still young enough that if he does have another downturn, you can move him and, and teams will go after him. But um, yeah, it's a bit um, it's a bit up in the air. We'll see how he keeps going and, and if he can continue to improve. We're here with Lyle Swithin Bank of the Hoop Ball New Orleans Pelicans podcast here on the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. Zion is taking a big jump in year number two, and we all knew that he could be this good of a player. That's not where this question is heading, though, Lyle. He's only missed one game. And I think that the biggest question that everybody has had about Zion is his ability to stay healthy and his ability to play as well as he has at his body type. Now, he said he's committed to being a healthier guy and trying to play at a lower weight. He's only missed one game this year. Are there signs that say that he is going to stay healthy for the long term with a newer commitment to his body. Yeah, and that game that he missed out was a late scratch because of uh, COVID protocols. Um, he came back with an um, inconclusive test, so he had to sit out, came back, he was negative. So, again, his body, he's been saying, is in the best shape of its career. You know, he's only 43 games into his, into his career now, so he's only really halfway through his um, an interrupted rookie season, I guess. And when a guy's doing this already, 24 points a game, um, basically an offensive uh, juggernaut already. Um, if he can keep that body right, that's something that, uh, you know, the, the rest of the league should be on notice. Uh, they rebuilt his running style with something they talked about and his landing style with his jumping uh, during the, the recovery last year. And that, I think, was something uh, that has benefited him. He looks skinnier now um you know still strong as uh, strong as an ox but you know he looks fitter he looks um probably he's getting up and down the court a bit better than he was last year and he's not looking as gassed he can stay in the game a lot longer and that ability the second jump um i've never seen a guy at that body type he's built like zach randolph um you know one bounce two bounce jumping over the top of the ring you know, athleticism is going to stay with you as long as it does, but the kid, he's a freak. He honestly, at, at this type of um, body shape and strength, I mean, big props to him. I hope going forward he stays healthy. Barring some unfortunate event 
with his jumping, you know, that I think is the only thing that um, is going to stop him. I, I honestly think if he can stay like this, and I, I do have uh, faith that he will, um, you know, he's going to be he's going to be so good. And um, that commitment to working on his body, yeah, he's, he's doing all right, and he's only going to get fitter. The, the once he gets a proper off season, I think we'll see the best of him. I don't even think we're scratching the surface yet. The Bulls are going to be out three starters in tonight's game. Lowry Markkinen, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, out two to four weeks. Still no Wendell Carter Jr. and still no Otto Porter Jr. Those are three front court starters. Otto Porter and Patrick Williams have been alternating earlier in the year. Patrick took over in that starting four position. I say that to transition to this. I know that Steven Adams is not a guy that's going to fill it up for 20 a night, but he is so much more dominant than anybody that the Bulls are going to put down there. So my question to you is, Lyle, even though he's not the guy that's going to take more than seven shots a night, is Steven Adams somebody that against a depleted Bulls front court could potentially dominate this game or at least draw a double team and then be able to kick out to somebody like a Brandon Ingram, Alonzo Ball, a Zion Williams who may a Zion Williamson who may then drive, or potentially if JJ Reddick gets some run, have him sit out behind the three-point line and catch an open three. Like, is Steven Adams a guy that is going to draw a lot of attention, especially given the Bulls' lack of size in this front court matchup? Yeah, I'm sorry to say it, but I think he is going to absolutely feast. Um Especially on the offensive glass, he is just so much bigger and stronger than than anyone, <laughs> I think, in the league. Um, an undersized team against this bloke, yeah, they're going to be in some trouble. Particularly, even though we did have a, a game today and we're coming off the second night of a back-to-back, he didn't play in the last quarter. We didn't need him. And um, so you're getting a fresh, for the most part, um, Stephen Adams. I'm not sure how many minutes he played tonight, but it was it didn't seem like many. They went to um, Willie 22. He only played 22. So they've actually done a good job of managing his minutes. Last five games, he hasn't played more than 30. And the 30 minutes he played against Indiana, he was a perfect six of six from the field, 12 points, 12 boards. That's a pretty darn good night at the office. Yeah, and I mean, that was um, that was a quiet night for him. He uh, he didn't start rebounding until late in the game, honestly. He, um, yeah, he was, he was probably down. You know, he's the sort of guy that does a lot more than the box score says as well. He's so good at creating a, a space under the ring by boxing out. By, I mean, we saw it with, when he played with Russell Westbrook. Westbrook was getting rebounds left, right and centre because Stephen Adams is just clearing out all this space for this bloke to jump over and grab him. And you know, guys like Josh Hart, uh, Zion Williamson, these guys are going to be able to grab boards, Lonzo, because that space is cleared out by him. So it's going to, I think if we do go to him, he's going to have a pretty good time. And, you know, 22 minutes tonight, that means he can play a full game tomorrow. Uh, and, and when he goes out, Willie Hernan Gomez has proved he's a serviceable backup. He's been really, really good as well. I think he double-doubled tonight. And, you know, he... Um, He's sort of the Stephen Adams light, I guess. Um, he's he's really found his niche, and um, yeah, he's been impressive. So those big bodies, they might uh, might cause a bit of pain on the Bulls. I'm sorry to say, it might be famous last words, but uh, fingers crossed they uh, they pull it out. Non sequitur for you, Lyle. In regards to Stephen Adams, is it difficult for you to root for a Kiwi? <laughs> um, 
I suppose we sometimes all get lumped in together, especially by the, the guys in America. They're like, oh, yeah, he's from down that way. And you're like, yeah, I suppose. Um, <laughs> for me, Stephen Adams is the sort of guy that, regardless of his nationality, he's just a phenomenal basketballer. He's a phenomenal bloke from all his interviews. He's, he's fun. Um, he's, he's really funny. And he's easy, he's easy to back in, you know. Um, as a Pelican supporter, you're sitting there going, this guy is just great. And I've got, well, I found a big uptick in, in the... Uh, the Kiwi listeners on, on my podcast. So, you know, I'm not, never going to say anything bad about him. Um, <laughs> you know, he, uh, he makes it really easy to, um, to support. And honestly, all right, well, we might have a, a bit of controversy about the rugby and, and the cricket, but with the basketball, I think we'll, we're all united. Hey, that works for me. If two countries can come together over basketball, you can fight about uh, rugby and cricket. I know that that means a lot more down under than basketball does, but that doesn't mean that basketball down under isn't as important. I grew up in the Bay Area. Andrew Bogut is a legend around here, even though he only was here for, I know, two stints, but five years, he's a legend around here. We're with Lyle Swithenbank who is joining us from Australia here on the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. What happened to J.J. Redick? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, your guess is as good as mine. Um, you know, he, he just went into a bit of a slump. I don't know, he's one of Stan's guys. He's known him for, for years from his stint in, in Orlando. His jump shot just seemed to disappear. I think in the early start of the season he was tasked with leading this second unit. You know, offensively, he was expected to put up 10 to 15 points every night. And um, defences were just going, well, Ingram, Zion are off. Well, we're just going to go at him, you know. And um, it makes it difficult when you've got a guy like that who is a rhythm shooter. And once he gets hot, he, he microwaves and just absolutely dominates. But he hasn't been really finding his feet this season. Whether or not that's a... Um, you know, like a, a conditioning sort of thing. I'm not sure, but his stroke has seemed off. He then sat for um, four games, I think, and didn't play uh, DNP coach's decision. And that really seemed to flick a switch. The last few games, his shot's been falling a little bit better. He's taking less fading sideways horizontal three-point attempts, which are just absolute coach killers in themselves. He comes off a screen and instead of setting his feet, he just sort of launches... Uh, diagonally into the air trying to draw a foul or, or hit a big three. And when your shot's not falling, making the shot harder, that's not what you want. Um, so taking those uh, two-pointers around the free-throw line area, that's been good, getting to the basket as well. And he's still been good at drawing charges. Um, he's always been a defensive liability, but you kind of hide that with Josh Hart. But, yeah, we're seeing... Are we seeing a... a, a a decline in J.J. Redick, perhaps. I hope he, he finds that stroke again. Um, and perhaps he gets moved later on in the season. But, you know, at the moment, he's doing just enough and he's sort of hidden a bit by the rest of the uh, the bench coming up big. So, hopefully, hopefully we get some shooting from him because uh, he helps when he can hit him. That is certainly true because when he's at his best, he's one of the best pure shooters in the game. So, Lyle... We're an Eastern Conference podcast, and the Bulls right now, there's no expectation for them this year. This is a developmental year. Any win that they get is a good win, and any development of the youngest guys on this core, in particular Kobe White and Patrick Williams, is a big benefit. I was going to throw Larry Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr. in there, 
but they're not playing. And I think Zach Levine is finally starting to come into his own as the alpha on this team. The Western Conference is absolutely bonkers right now. And I didn't realize this until I looked at the standings before we came on. Between fourth place and 14th place is only four games in the standings. Right now, the Pelicans are two games back of the Spurs for first place in the Southwest Division. New Orleans is currently tied for, or rather, they are ninth, or rather, 10th, I should say. It's all weird because of the amount of games that have been postponed due to COVID. Right now, the Nuggets and the Warriors, along with the Kings, are all six and a half back of the number one seeded Utah Jazz. New Orleans and Memphis are both seven and a half back. Memphis, though, four games down in regards to games to make up compared to the Pelicans. The reason I bring up the standings is that in the flash of a moment, the Pelicans could get all the way up to the five seed. They could fall all the way down to the fourteen. What does this team do with the deadline? Is this a team you feel like is going to make an acquisition to try and get into the top four? Or is this a team that if they don't feel like they can be competitive with the LA's or the jazz, and we don't know what's going to happen with Phoenix or San Antonio or Portland. I imagine that all six of those teams are going to end up making the playoffs. Is it a situation to where if the Pelicans front office doesn't feel like they can be in that top six, that they may sell off somebody like a Redick or Alonzo ball or heck, I know this may sound a little bit weird because they've only had him for 23 games. Maybe see what you could get for an Eric Bledsoe given his contract. Yeah, well, you could absolutely. Um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to know because we're on a win streak at the moment, so everything's going well. But um, before that, people were going, Bradley Beal has got to be the go-to. We've got to go and get him. Um, he wants to be here. And like, there's no evidence behind that at all. Uh, everything that he said uh, seems to be indicating that, well, his own self says he wants to stay in Washington. I don't think that's the case, but, you know, what do I know? Um, you know, if the win streak stays as it is and we continue to make our way into the playoffs, perhaps it is the sort of um, move that you make. You try to go, well, actually, we might have a chance to, to win now. I don't think we're in this. We're in the second year of a rebuild. Um, really, this is the first year with Stan Van Gundy. We've just signed BI for five years. Zion hasn't even played a full season yet. Um, you know, I think we need to walk before we run. If you go and get a guy like Beal or someone like that, a, a big name, um, you then have to have that expectation that comes with it. We've just gone and got an, all, uh, an all-star, um, a guy that's averaging 30 points a game to add them to these two guys. Well, the expectation now is you've got three all-star caliber guys or thereabouts. Where's the wins? The wins have to start coming. If you don't then perform because you gut your bench um, to go and get him, well, it makes it difficult. So if you do give up, um, say you'd have, you'd probably have to give up Lonzo, Eric Bledsoe would be gone. So that's two starters as well. Then you've got to have who comes in with him. Who's going to run the point? Well, does Kyra Lewis come and play? He's probably gone as well. So you've gutted all the guard rotation to go and get a guy like that. Something else that's been floated has actually been a trade to Chicago uh, for Laurie Markinen. And again, I don't know fit-wise whether or not Laurie uh, really fits our system. 
Um, especially when you've got Zion, you've got Stephen Adams. Is he going to be happy coming off the bench? I'm not sure. Um, particularly when everything's going well, you know, it makes it easier. It's a bit of a wishy-washy answer. At the moment, I don't know. I think we're still too too far out to to know. We've got a whole heap of draft picks. We've got them all in the Drew tra- uh, trade. Are we going to draft six first-rounders in the next three years? I don't think so. I think we're going to have to package them up and move them. Um, whether or not that includes Jackson Hayes or, or Nikhil Alexander-Walker as well, perhaps. But I sort of plead cautiousness on the basis that if you mortgage your future on a win-now approach when we're not at win-now um, mentality or situation or ability, um, then you're shooting yourself in the foot before you even start. I, I honestly think patience is, is the key here. If we have another season where we get to the play-in, and I think that's probably the top end of where we get this play-in tournament, maybe the eighth seed, um, I think that's probably a realistic goal. That is, that's fine. Next year, you build on that. You go for the seventh, you go for the sixth seed. You're still only two years into Zion's career and only, or three years into Zion and, and the first year of, of BI's max. So, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough. I don't think we should do much this, unless it is something that's a surefire pick that doesn't add too much expectation. So another high upside young guy, perhaps. Uh, or yeah. or in one scenario, trading J.J. Redick to a contender, knowing that he's not going to be a part of your future. He's somebody that you brought in a couple of years ago to help you win now. That wasn't the case. And now we can help somebody else potentially win now. Say somebody in the Eastern Conference, maybe send him back to Philadelphia. That marriage seemed to work out pretty darn well when it happened the first time. The thing with New Orleans to me that is fascinating is that you have a mix of potential superstars and a big supporting cast that you're still trying to figure out exactly who those guys are. So when I look at the similarities between the Bulls and the Pelicans, there's a young core of guys that they want to develop. But unlike the Pelicans, the Bulls don't really have anybody that is viewed as a future superstar. I think that that ship has sailed with Lowry Markkinen. I think there's a potential with Kobe White, and I think that Zach Levine is the closest thing that you'll get to a star. But when I look at where these two teams match up, they're very, they're very much at similar points in their arc because both of them have first-year coaches, one of them that has been in that Southwest division for a while in Billy Donovan, who then decided he didn't want to go through the Oklahoma City rebuild. He comes up to Chicago to work with Arturis Karnishevis from Denver. And New Orleans brings in a veteran coach who's willing to work with two superstars or two guys that are on the verge of being superstars and a bunch of guys that could be key contributors to a competitive team down the road. What do you think it's going to take or how long is it going to take to get New Orleans into that top four? Because I don't know right now if I buy the Jazz, because I think that the Jazz are a team that they've gotten off to a great start. They're playing really good basketball, but I'm not going to take them in a seven-game series over the Clippers. I'm not going to take them in a seven-game series over the Lakers. I still think that Denver has their best basketball ahead of them, 
And the Warriors are a wild card because the Warriors can beat to any can beat anybody and they can lose to anybody. So where do you think it's going to take, or rather, when do you think the Pelicans are going to get into that range where people are talking about them as a one, two, or three seed in the West every single year? Because I feel like it's a little bit closer than maybe some people might think. Well, I mean, like you said, the, the West is so stacked. What is it? There's four games between fourth and, and 14th, which, you know, it makes it really difficult when you've got a whole heap of good sides all vying for those eight playoff spots. I mean, we've got two guys there, B.I., Zion, that are, I think, budding all-stars. I think this year they might even get in. And, um, you know, well, B.I. has proven that he has been and he'd probably be there again. And, and Zion getting exactly the same numbers, so you'd see he'd probably be up there as well, depending if they want to give us two. But, fan vote. Remember the fan vote. That's going yeah, to be critical, yeah. and the fans love Zion, so that certainly helps him. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I would say that we make playoffs comfortably next year. Um, I think we can tend the year after, depending on the moves that uh, David Griffin and, and Trajan Langdon make um, and move a few of these picks. I think Kyra Lewis is the real deal, and I think Nikhil can be. Um, so another year of, of development for those guys, we're only going to benefit. I think we move Eric Bledsoe at some point, um, whether that's a sign and trade or, or something in the offseason. But um, I think that there's the opportunity to really perform next year um, and, and make some noise in the West, particularly because they're going to have another offseason where they can work together, they can... Uh, you know, this year was so tough. You bring in a new coach and then you get this condensed sort of schedule. This, like, training camp is just all over the shop. Games are getting postponed. How do you get consistency for any team? You know, it, it's tough. Um, next year, I think if things calm down and, and um, you know, we get some sort of normality, um, hopefully that'll be the year that the Pelicans start really, really climbing the ladder and making some noise and, and teams start getting put on notice. Uh, and hopefully it starts showing towards the end of this year as well. Looking forward to the Bulls and the Pelicans tonight. Before we let you go, Lyle, give us one key to the game, one matchup in particular that you think is going to decide the difference in this game. One matchup that I was thinking about, the Bulls are not very good at guarding on ball on the perimeter. They let a lot of guys go by them. The Bulls are not very good. In particular, their backcourt is not very good in regards to guarding on the ball from the perimeter. That's where I feel like Zion or Ingram could really take advantage. This is a game that the Bulls are going to be so undersized compared to their opponent. It's unreal. So what's a matchup that you think is going to make the difference in this game? Um, I think it's going to be the guard matchup of Lonzo and, and Zach Levine. I, I think those guys, whoever gets the better of each other is, is going to, probably out before. I don't know if that'll be enough for the, the Bulls to beat the Pels or the Pels to um, continue the win streak. But if Zach Levine gets off the hook, we could be in some real trouble, I think, because we've been difficult. We've had trouble guarding the three as well. Um, it's probably the big matchup. Otherwise, it's just going to be the bodies going at Zion. I think that is going to be really tough. He gets to the, the rim at will. Um, and it, I don't know, the undersized guys, I just don't know if they're going to be big and strong enough to be able to hold him back. But I, I honestly, I think the one that will turn the game will be um, Levine getting off the hook against um, 
against Lonzo if that happens or, or Lonzo getting his, his better. Um, so we'll see, I guess, but it, it's going to be uh, fun nonetheless. Lyle, before we let you go, plug your podcast, plug your socials, let everybody know where they can find you and where they can listen to you. Yeah, so uh, the podcast is the Pelican Scoop at Hoop uh, Ball Pels, the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Um, so that's great. Uh, we've been going for a little while now, since well, April last year or so. And um, yeah, it's been flying. So going really well. You can follow me on Twitter at Lyle Swithenbank. Um, yes, a few letters in there, but um, you can you can look us on on. On Twitter, L-Y-L-E-S-W-I-T-H-E-N-B-A-N-K. And uh, give us a follow as well. We've got heaps going on down there. Um, love getting involved with all NBA as well as um, as uh, the New Orleans. But, yeah, thanks for having me, Greg. It's been great. Absolutely. Lyle Swithenbank of the Hoop Ball New Orleans Pelicans. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. We will come at you after this game. Bulls and Pelicans. From the United Center in Chicago tonight. Enjoy it, everybody. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. All right, friends, it's Hoop Ball promo time. This is big because this is our 2020-2021 NBA season product rollout, and I am so excited to tell you about what we've got. We almost never push our HoopBall products, but this is the window of the year where we need to power that engine. So let me tell you what's out. We've got our draft guide, our flagship's shining beacon to the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. We cover all over 400 players this season with future access pass to our Brewski 150. Now, if you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, I'm here to give you the need-to-know info. This is the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years and new this year for hootball we're unveiling our monthly membership plans featuring our fantasy pass draft guide booski 150 our new dfs pass premium in-season tools as well as our wager pass for sports bettors everything you need we've got you covered 365 around the clock hoop ball tools is your one-stop shop for your nba treasure trove of fantasy need to know information all that you need and more check us out head to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopball fantasy on twitter now check it out give us a follow get your tools and win your league Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.